The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Thank you so much uh, for tuning into the show this morning on Human Rights Day. And today's Human Rights Edition, inspired by uh, the tragedy that Spamandla trauma had to endure uh, that ended unfortunately in his death. Now Spamandla Choma, the 14 year old boy um, whom many of us have come to know through the reports of our Mpumalanga correspondent um, and reporter has really crept into many of our hearts and I must just say thank you, thank you, thank you to all the SAFM listeners um, especially the listeners here on AM Live you went above and beyond and at least you had the opportunity to show Spamanda and his family that they were not alone thank you so much for your generous contributions thank you so much to our reporter Spongile who went over and above, and I cannot say this enough because she really did more than was expected of her. I remember when uh, you asked for her to open that account for the family, for the parents, she did that. And I offered to pay. She said, no, don't worry, Sakina. She used her money to open the account and the money that was deposited in there. And I remember her um, uh, calling me uh, the one time and saying, you know, he wanted a KFC and he wanted a toy. And uh, through your generous contributions, uh, he was able to get that. Thank you so much to all of you and to Spongile uh, for the sterling work done there. But of course, what this has done is that it's highlighted the plight of poor people. How do you enforce your rights? Your human rights that are enshrined inalienable rights. How do you enforce those if you are poor? And today we're going to look at the reality of human rights for the poor. Just looking at this Pamandla Choma story, the fact that he was allegedly assaulted by the principal and nobody stood up and said anything. Child was paralyzed. Couldn't even get, um, you know, the requisite medical assistance because the family could not pay for it. And so it went on, you know, incident after incident after incident, and most of it brought about the lack of the enforcement of his rights brought about by the fact that he was poor, his family was poor, they didn't have the money. And even in death, those human rights still elude the Choma family because the hospital couldn't call them. The police couldn't go there to inform them that Pamandla had passed away on Sunday night. It was only yesterday morning that our reporter Spongile called the family and she was the one who broke the news to them. So I ask you, if they were rich, if they had the money, would it have played out in the same way? don't think so. So let's talk about the poor, the reality of the poor and human rights, because it's all good and well to say, yeah, well, it's there. It's enshrined. And in fact, you know, the, the, the arms of state are bound in law 
to make sure that these rights are enforced. It's all good and well for it to be there on paper. But unless and until people can actually experience these rights, it means absolutely nothing. So I want to hear your views as um, our guest makes his way into the studio. Uh, Mark Hayward of uh, Section 27 will be talking to him. Uh, but I want to hear your views as well. The lines are open. 891 Human Rights for the Poor. 40938. Um, that's the SMS line number 40938 at a cost of 150. Uh, please send us uh, your thoughts there. And uh, quite a few coming through on Twitter. Nomfundo Kanyile says, when you are poor, your rights become poor too. Very, very sad. Even the principal targeted the boy because he was poor. Unati Kwaza says, I don't know what more to say about this sad story about Spamandla. Human rights of the poor mean nothing to government. May Pamandla's young soul rest in peace. He never got peace in this world, but thanks to the SABC for telling the story. Sandile M. Kwana says, um, what is the name of the principal and where is he from? Why is his identity still shielded? Gosimpile Nkunu says, SK, failing to deliver even basic services for the poor is an infringement on their human rights. Uh, Wandile Mleba says, a poorest of the poor do not enjoy these rights. It is only for the rich and the educated. And I must say, when you listen to the story of Spamandla Choma, it's, 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 it's difficult to disagree with that sentiment that human rights seemingly are for the rich and the educated who can find a way to somehow enforce and, you know, exact those rights. But what happens when you are poor? Mark Haywood, thanks for coming through this morning. Good morning, and I'm very sorry I'm late. <laughs> Not a problem. It's Happy Human Rights Day, or is it? Um, especially in light of, you know, what is happening in the country. Sad story that we're dealing with of a 14-year-old boy mm unfortunately, from a very uh, poor background, who's just had his rights violated on so many levels. Well, yeah, it's not a happy human rights day, to be honest with you. Uh, It's an unhappy human rights day because uh, there are millions and millions of people in our country who are suffering, who are living in pain, who, as they listen to this radio station, are worried about the quality of the schools their children go to, go to schools which are of a terrible quality. There are millions of people who are hungry as we talk right now. There are millions of people who have HIV but are worried about whether they're getting their medicines when they go to the clinic. You know, there's a, there seems to be a massive gap between, and I brought it along, uh, mm-hmm. this constitution uh, which promises so much to people in this country and the lived reality of people in this country. And I think, you know, I heard you saying, Sakina, one of your callers, that human rights are for the rich. Well, certainly appears that way, but that's not the case because our supreme law says that human rights are for all people. And our supreme law, which is the Constitution, says that everything we do in this country, particularly as government, but not only as government, including the private sector, must lead us on a steady, unfailing road towards greater equality and realization of rights between people. So, you know, what I'd like us to chat about on Human Rights Day is just 
how do we get these rights to which we are entitled to? Poverty Absolutely. is a violation of rights. Um, and you, you, that's actually putting it very eloquently because it's because of poverty that people have their rights trampled on in the main. Where you can find someone who has stolen, you know, a loaf of bread and you look at the punishment meted out, Mm -hmm. if you look at the fact that they perhaps will languish in a cell because they simply cannot afford to pay the bail. And yet, on the daily, we read reports about people, um, you know, who are found guilty of much more heinous crimes, but because they are able to afford um, the, the best legal assistance, they seem to get off a lot easier or better off than the poor person. I think you're exactly right. And again, we have to ask why that is. You know, when we think about human rights, people will talk about food, they will talk about water, they'll talk about health care or education. But health, human rights is not just the goods that will help people to live dignified lives. It's also the services that will give them the power to realize those goods. So, you know, if you look in the Constitution, you find sections about things like access to legal services. What you've described of this country is very true, which is the rich mainly have access to legal services. The poor have access to almost nothing at all. They have access to Legal Aid South Africa. And even Legal Aid South Africa will provide criminal representation to the poor but it won't help a person who wants to struggle for a loaf of bread so that he doesn't have to steal or that she doesn't have to mm. have to steal and that's the issue that we have to address and i think the question is you know how do we help people to know what their rights are so you take something like legal aid south africa which is a big body created by law that provides free legal services to people who are poor but do you know what the budget is you know, does the person on the street know what the budget is? Is it sufficient to I give people this power? I was reading that yesterday yeah. and shocking. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. Exactly. But, uh, you know, I asked our listeners to call in and, you know, to share with us also, you know, what it is uh, that they deem to be problematic here and their view on human rights and the poor and how that actually plays out. What is the reality on the ground? 891 uh, Joseph is calling us. Joseph is a truck, uh, truck driver and he's currently on the road. Morning, Joseph. Mama, thank you. Good morning to you. How are you? I am all right, but you don't sound I'm great. Morning, Joseph. You know what, Mama Sakina? I would like to thank the SAFM management, you and the entire team. Joseph? It's the poverty of this country. I don't want to then decide from home to home, but we have inherited the poverty. If it was the child for the minister or ever, by this time, this time to work about to stand still. I would like to send my condolence to the family. Joseph, thank you so much for calling us, uh, Joseph, on the road currently. And you can hear the pain, the distress in Joseph's voice. And I think it echoes what so many of us are feeling about what happened to 14-year-old Spamandla Choma. And 
I couldn't agree more with Joseph. If this was the child of someone who was wealthy or influential, it would have played out a lot differently. Well, you know, what is happening to our children? You're absolutely right. You know, Sipamandla is the latest in a long list of of children we should be protecting to die as a result of failure to protect human rights. Remember Michael Kamapi. We represent him at Section 27, or represent his family. Died in a toilet, drowned yes. in a toilet. Remember Angel Sibanda, mm. drowned in a field in Deepslut as she was trying to go to school. Remember the little girl in, in Alex crossing the river recently in floods. You know, all of these things, these are not natural deaths. They, they occur because of failure. And, and, and it's not just a failure of government. They occur because of our failure. Human failure. Human failure. But also our failure to be outraged enough. Yeah. I, I still find it outrageous if somebody gets killed, some little boy or some little girl gets killed unnecessarily. But the question is, how long does our outrage last for? Does it last for 24 hours and then we go back to business as usual? Or do we carry our outrage into demands? Let me give you one example. You know, I live near, near Deepslut. And you will see in Deepslut <laughs> there are these two huge bridges that have been built across the road. The bridges probably cost 30, 40 million rand each. They go from one side of nowhere to another side of nowhere. And you wonder, why were these two bridges built? They've been sitting there for, for years. On the other hand, there's a floodplain in Deepslut where children have to cross when there's too much rain. And there isn't a bridge for the kids to get from one side to the other side. Kids who will go every day on that route who need that. And then you get the drownings. Now, you know, you have to think about that as a rights issue. Everybody has a right, according to this thing, Mm. to basic education. Now, basic education may be textbooks, but basic education may also be the bridge that is needed to get children across a dangerous patch of land to be able to get into the school to the school door you know that's the way that we have to think and we have to ask ourselves what what are the laws in deepslut that govern decisions of local government about whether a municipality spends money on a big tender for bridges that go nowhere or whether it spends money on a little bridge that will probably cost a tiny fraction of that price but will serve some sort of useful purpose. My advice to to listeners is get to know the Constitution, get to know the law, stand up for your rights. You know, we can cry and cry and cry, and our tears are real, and they are heartfelt tears, but the tears aren't going to bring the change. The change is going to come when we start to take action. Profound. Mike and Newlands, good morning to you. Good morning to you and good morning to your guest. Um, it's a very emotive subject. I'm not quite sure where to start and I'm regretting making the call because I don't want to, you know, politicize the thing and nor do I want to do a bashing of the government of the day situation. But, you know, I, I just can't help feeling that as, as a country we seem to have drifted. You know, this young chap that died, I heard about it just before I went away and, and I thought to myself, is the government really going to react? Are the police going to do anything? And clearly they haven't. Not even the minister of police has flagged this little boy that's lying in hospital who's obviously generating for the tragic circumstances a lot of news. Yet the government of the day has not even bothered to say, you know what, let's watch this little guy. Let's see what's mm-hmm. happening. Let's show a little bit of love and care. And let's be part of this and show the country we're doing something about it. Yet 
absolutely nothing. It's the police have just forgotten him. He's now quietly died. We'll have a knee-jerk reaction, and that will be that. And I just feel it goes from Andres Tatani, the Marikana massacre. Um, the, the president flew out the country after the Marikana massacre. We had 100-plus health patients dying in hospital. All the president could say was he's glad there's been this uh, commission now, and we'll learn from our mistakes. Yet, our president is outraged when the uh, previous public protector made some claim that he'd been uh, messing in her affairs. We, we seem to have lost a complete set of balance, and I just want to agree with the last thing your guest said. Sadly, it seems to me that until people start rising up, and that's a hell of a powerful word, and I, I hate using it because it brings terrible connotations, but somehow rising up in a peaceful way against the government of the day. Unfortunately, we're going to have another case like this next week and next month. More kids are going to fall in pits. Nothing is going to happen because we seem to become a society that has just grown used to it. And, and I think frustrated. I personally am very frustrated. I don't know what to do. And I just think that's the average South African now. We are just beaten down. And I think we, 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 we're just wandering around aimlessly now. Talk about it. Yes, we discuss it. But what to do about it? Maybe somebody can help me. I don't know. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike and Newlands. Um, Mr. Governor in Durban, good morning. Good morning to you, uh, Sakina. Wonderful show. And uh, I have nothing to celebrate this Human Rights Day. I just want to know, uh, you know, what is the Human, human Rights Commission, HRSC, going to do with regards to the government's failure? Are they actually going to press charges against the government? Because they are arm of the government, and I don't think they will be pressing charges against the government for the gross violation of human rights. All right. And, I, and, and furthermore, you'll find the government now reacting, and uh, the family of Shawala should not even accept governments, um, you know, wanting to undertake the funeral expenses of this little child. It takes another child to die, and then the government will react, and then they'll come and say, right, the full funeral cost, and a big pomp, and, you know, a celebrate, they'll make this a celebratory affair. Mr. Governor, thank you so much. I hear you. And, and it's, it's never as easy as all of that. I think, and, and, and sometimes we just need to be cognizant of, you know, our point of view and, and where we're coming from um, at this particular situation because you can condemn the family for taking whatever help is offered to them. But they don't have anything. Exactly. It's, it's, it's easy for us to say, don't do this, don't take that, don't, don't, don't. But if you don't have anything, I can understand why you would take something wherever it may come from. Yeah. And so many people don't have anything. So many people literally don't have anything. That's why in our country, children are dying of malnutrition. I mean, how can that be in our rich country that children in this city, children are dying of malnutrition when there's shops stocked around them? That's what we have to be addressing. But... The message I'm trying to, you and I are trying to give out is, yes, there's despair. Yes, there's frustration. But I think Mike said it. Mike said, I don't know what to do. And the question is, what do we do? And what I'm trying to say is that although we feel powerless, actually we have a lot of power. For as long as we have this piece of paper that claims to be the supreme law that says we have power, Mm. we should be looking at where is that power and how do we use it? 
How do we use it not just in relation to this big government that somewhere sits up there, but how do we use it by participating in the school governing body? How do we use it by participating in the clinic committee? How do we use it by demanding a meeting with our local councillor or our provincial MP? How do we make our breath, our hot breath, felt on the backs of politicians who every day claim that they are acting in our interests? How do we tell them what they must do rather than them telling us what they mm. want to do. We, think, yeah. You know, by extension, us as the media, you as civil society, are we doing enough to ensure that people, individuals mm. on the ground, are sufficiently capacitated, that they actually know what those rights are? And I think we need to do some introspection in that regard as well. But hold that thought. Let me just okay. hear from Professor Zulu in Durban. Good morning, Prof. Morning, morning, Sakina. Welcome, Professor. Thank you very much. I am li- I'm driving and listening to this sad story. And I'm thinking to myself, how do we allow a system, forget about individuals, a system that is so impervious to the human lot? Mm. How does a schooling system keep a principal? That can do this to a child. You know, we are a country of celebrations. We are a kind, country of symbolism. But never a country that really penetrates into the human lot. Yeah. Poverty yeah. is all... Poverty is around us, Sakina. Suffering and exclusion are around us. We have privatized life. When you speak about the poor having no access to anything, it's because life has been privatized. When you have money, you send your children to a better school. To a, you go to a better hospital. You shop in better places, in the malls. And we are never where the suffering, the human lot is. Consequently... We have a very insensitive public. When I'm talking about the public, I'm talking about the authority structures that are meant to be looking after the general will of the people. Extremely insensitive, distant from humanity. Consequently, we have this little boy who has had to die unknown, unannounced, forgotten. When are we going to penetrate into the hearts of humanity and have a humane government? That's my question. Professor Zulu? Yeah. Yeah. That that is cutting to the heart of the matter. Well, it's Human Rights Day. It's not a very happy one uh, for obvious reasons. But today on the Forum at 8, we're focusing on the reality of human rights for the poor. And this is an honor of a little 14-year-old Pamandla Choma, whom we have come to accept and adopt as our own, as the listeners of SAFM, of AM Live, and of the SABC. And um, once again, you know, thank you to all of you who at least open your hearts, 
you opened your wallets and you opened your minds to the plight of Spamandla Choma. And for that, you know, I wish you all success and, and, and may favor be brought upon you for that, if nothing else. And then people are asking now whether we will be um, whether we can now look at perhaps contributing towards the burial of uh, Spamandla and tell you what, we'll sit down as a team and, and, and we'll see what we can do around that. But uh, we're having this conversation and I want to hear your views. And so far, boy, have the contributions, you know, been stellar. I mean, really cutting through the chase and getting to the heart, the nub of the matter. Where is our humanity when these things take place, as uh, Professor Zulu was saying there? Because this is about humanity. It's about being humane. We talk about Ubuntu and the like all the time. But where is it? When Mark Hayward tells us that children are dying of um, you know, malnutrition and starvation in this country, a child dies of hunger when we throw away food every day? How does that happen? What is going on? Where is our humanity on this Human Rights Day and beyond? Because it's not just a one-day event. It is something that we need to sustain. We need to make it our lived reality in order for this to improve. But I was asking Mark also the question about, you know, whether we are doing enough from the privileged positions that we find ourselves in, the platforms that we have, are we doing enough to make sure that people actually know that they have these rights and how they can go about enforcing those rights? Sakina, I don't think, I think the answer to that is we're not doing enough by any stretch of the imagination. As I've said a number of times, a supreme, the supreme law, the supreme law says people should have sufficient food. The Supreme Water says people should have access to water. It says children should have quality basic education. I have to keep emphasizing the supreme law of the country says this, and it says that our government and our people must work to realize it. We're not doing it. To To answer you, is civil society doing enough? We're trying, but we're not doing enough. We can never do enough. I often worry with my work at Section 27, we have a great team, but we reach at best a few tens of thousands of people, but there are 50 million people in our country. We need the 50 million people. We need the people who most need rights to know about it. You know, there was some research done a few years ago that showed amongst poor communities, which is the people who most need rights, fewer than, I think, 15% were even aware of the content of the Bill of Rights. You know, how can that be? There's a power out there and you don't know about it. Now, if I can just be a little bit cheeky with you sitting here at the SABC, because you asked me, you know, is the media doing enough? The media is not doing enough. You are doing great. It's fantastic to have this discussion today. But SABC, I think, reaches close to 30 million people a day through its various radio channels, different language channels. 30 million people a day. What if we spent just a few minutes every day talking about the power that people have, encouraging people to be active citizens, telling these stories. You know, Professor, uh, the professor who phoned just before the news, Professor Zulu, talked about we're never a country that penetrates into the human lot. Mm. We're a country that doesn't have empathy. 
we need to find that we need to penetrate into the human lot and the media can help us to penetrate into the human lot and to turn this notion of Ubuntu, which is so important, into a lived experience rather than just a philosophy that mm. people wheel out from time to time when they want to, to sound clever. Ubuntu must be in every single one of us. It must check every action every day to try to work for the greater good of our citizenry because I can't be a complete person. You know, I'm a privileged person. My kid goes to a decent school. I live in a reasonable house. I'm not a rich person, but I'm, I'm not a, a poor person. And, I, and like Professor Zulu was saying, I, you know, I joy in South Africa. There's so much to joy in. But I can't be a complete person. I can't feel complete whilst I drive past hungry kids on the streets or whilst mm. I know that my kid has a good education. But down the road, the child has an appalling education while there's that level of inequality. We have to change it. We certainly do. And how do we tap into that human lot? Not just today, because this is the other thing. It cannot be something that we do occasionally um, as uh, the day or the occasion warrants. It has to be something that, you know, penetrates our innermost being. Yes, (laughs) So that, as you say, we, it becomes our lived reality, and this is who we are. That's the only way we're going to make things better. Golani Namtata, good morning to you. Hi, Sakena. Welcome. Hi. I think one thing that we need to look at is the issue of emotional manipulation. We've got a situation where during election, uh, election periods, you get all these guys coming up. It's more like someone trying to have to to court uh, to have a relationship. You play your cards right so that you can get into this uh, platform where you make promises and people fall into that. It's like we get hypnotized during the elections and then we believe everything that the people tell us to do. I put the blame in our national parliament. To be honest with you, I'm a little bit emotional when you spoke about that kid, but. Our national parliament, if you look at the way they are communicating, they are not talking like they, they, they are kids. They talk like people in a, in a cavern somewhere uh, already drunk, shouting at each other and all that, and we are watching all these things. What does that do? It influences us, and then we end up believing. What's going to happen today? You're going to hear people talking about the, the past leaders who did well. Nobody talks about the current situation, how we are doing, how we're going to improve, but they try to use emotions about the past, that is apartheid, which is right. That's not, that's not a, it's a fact that there was apartheid, there was colonialism. However, we've got a situation at this moment where emotional manipulation is so much used that people don't get to the core of how we solve today. Instead, they are being used about what happened in the past. Well, thank you so much, Kolani uh, Namtata. Um, Archie and Valcom, good morning. Good morning, Sakina and the visitor there, and all the people of the good people of SAFM who are listening. Welcome. I also, also throw my voice to those who are sympathizing and crying with the family. Mm. Really, it should not have happened. Um, and we should have seen it coming. But then, on the same I mean, word, it's a pity that now, on this day, we will have people like Bas Mike of Newlands taking I mean, the opportunity to deviate us from what we are talking about 
and slamming the ANC and the government, which is a pity. I'm saying, uh, Mr. Kina, this morning we all heard that now your, 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 your representative who is there next to the family was saying the MEC is going to the family to see how can they assist as usual. I am saying it, it should not be like I mean, uh, normal that now. Once we are uh, having this pain, people should take their opportunity to deviate us from the good things and the good thinking and from the good people who are trying to assist the family. We, uh, it's a pity that it should happen like that. But then now, let's hope now that now the boy will rest in peace. I thank you. Thank you so much, Archie. Stephen and Christiana, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? I'm not well. It's a sad day indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with this issue of Pamanda, I really empathize with the family. I wish to extend my sincere condolences. I'm one of those citizens who just decided to turn a deaf ear on the issue, but I think I was kind of like ignorant. For, for him to pass away a day just before our human rights day is something else that we really need to look at as South Africans. Normally people say education is a right, but most of our parents or the society at large is not aware at what cost is this education coming with their kids, within those who also in the schools and stuff. It's really sad. You know, I, I'm actually 32 years now, ne? And in light of this issue of Spamandla, I really wish to take you about 17 years back. I attended one primary school where I come from. We were betting every day for no apparent reason. On, on Thursday, mm. they even called Thursday Donald Duck. We knew on that day that we were going to be betting. On Monday, the teacher would come in and tell you, you know what, it was nice doing well, doing all the stuff. Today is a good day. He'll just beat you for no apparent reason. Mm. We were called names. I'm, I'm one person who's very light in complexion. The teacher will come there and call you a recourse violence for no apparent reason. They'll even make a joke. They'll send one kid to you, go call recourse violence. When that child gets to you, what was to you have been called? And you say, hey, when I said, who was The teacher is going to beat you for that thing. Why are you refusing to be called a recourse violence? You know, a, a teacher is someone who's supposed to build a nation. Is someone who's supposed to transfer the values. But if you look at what this principal did to, to this child, that is, I don't know, you can't even explain it in words. Not even your, your child will do that. And check around here in South Africa. Most of these teachers, they only take their kids to better schools and they come and teach our poor kids so that they can exploit them in this way. They can beat the hell out of them. There's no parent. If anyone ever gets to a child, how do you beat a child to, to, to paralysis that eventually leads to death? Is that right? Is it the right that really we need to send our kids to school to get education because it's their right? At what cost are we prepared to give our kids education? Is this the kind of education that the parents expected? The death? That is not the one. That is not the South Africa that our parents died for. Because teachers are teachers. Not so long ago, uh, on YSFM, they were discussing the issue of corporal punishment. I do not even understand the reason for corporal punishment. Mm. We don't even need to discuss it because these teachers are beating the hell out of our brothers and sisters for no apparent reason. If you had a rough night at your house, you go to school, you pick a stick, you beat the hell out of a child. Yeah. It, it is not justifiable. Whether 14 rand was stolen or a child hit one.
It's nothing. Let me tell you, I was beaten for not having total for mathematics homework at school. I was beaten for not having made a straight line on an exercise book with a ruler at school. I was beaten for not having stood up when the teacher came in or my shoelaces were loose. I was beaten everywhere. Corner to corner, the principal will beat you. Everybody, you had to budget for a... Stephen and Christiana, we lost you, but such pertinent points you make, and you're right, we did have that discussion about corporal punishment, and you're right, we shouldn't be having it, but the reason we are having it is because it's still happening even though it has been abolished, outlawed, and yet it is still happening daily in our schools. Chris in Durban, good morning. Ah, we lost Chris as well. But uh, Mark... Well, I'm, I'm shocked because what we're hearing is just the pain of people out there. People are talking about the pain that's to do with violation of their human rights. You know, Stephen, 17 years after he left school, is still hurting. Mm-hmm. 17 years was the, ago mm-hmm. was the year 2000. We were already six years into our democracy. Why were we humiliating, beating children in that way? 17 year, years later, we're still doing that. And I think what Stephen and Kalani and others are saying is, we shouldn't just be harping back on the past on days like this. We should be looking at our present and what we can do to change our present. I know that if you were to have a, a discussion tomorrow about sexual violence against girls in schools, that you would probably hear horror stories of now and, pa- and the past. The question is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do now so that when you have a Human Rights Day discussion in 2018, People are beginning to feel hope, again, beginning to feel power. You can never take away Stephen's pain, Mm. frankly, but it might start to alleviate Stephen's pain and and the other people who will be listening who feel a similar pain and a similar loss of hope if they think, ah, the arrow at last it is pointing in our interests, the interests Mm. of the poor and the interests of the the vulnerable. It's not. So today we're going to hear all sorts of politicians. Kalani said, you know, how we get manipulated, all sorts of speeches, all sorts of politicians, but not one of them has it in his or her heart to change what we're hearing about on this on this program. When's that going to happen? Mm. And I can't help but think, and I'm thinking out loud now, that ultimately it's not about the politicians, at least not about them only. It's no. about each and every right. one of us. Because when these human rights violations and these human rights failures occur ultimately some of us were standing by and watching all of this happen what did we do yes even if someone does not know even if someone does not have the means to enforce their rights what did you do the person of means to at least try and assist to help that person to make sure that you know, their rights are also observed. Mm. It becomes about all of us, as mm. Professor Zulu was saying, and, you know, people uh, really uh, commending Professor Zulu's input this morning, as well as uh, Mr. Governor, some really quotable quotes this morning uh, coming from um, all who are participating in this discussion. But ultimately, it's about you and I, because the government will only do what you and I ultimately force them to do. It's as you were saying earlier, at what point do we become sufficiently outraged about the conditions of people that we live with, we live um, alongside, 
people who in some instances come to clean our homes, at what point do we become sufficiently outraged about their condition? Yeah. But uh, let's take a few more calls. Uh, Chris in Durban is there now. Good morning, Chris. Oh, let, me start, you know, let me start where you left off. Uh, I think this is really to show, um, it, it demonstrates the social decay as well as the moral decay of our society in the first instance. It's only even point that politicians in what they should have not have. Because I'm yet to hear a teacher from that school saying, yes, I was there, I yep. witnessed, Absolutely. and this is what the principal did. Absolutely. And therefore, it is upon us to say, what have we done? Not, not before we even point to 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 society, because really, as society, we are really rotting. Unfortunately, it's very sad that this human rights day is even taking place under the theme of Oliver Tam, who who spoke very vehemently against the apartheid state and its beating of children when we were young. We were incarcerated. We were beaten. Some of our friends were raped by the apartheid police. And Oliver Tamo spoke very, you know, passionately and how immoral that society was towards children. And we can't replicate the society that we wanted to eradicate and we really think that we have defeated. And I think it is a call upon all of us. What are we doing? And I really support what you're saying. Thank you so much, uh, Chris and Durban. Uh, Temba is not too far from you in Peter Maritzburg, in fact. Good morning, Temba. Thank to you. Can you hear me? We can hear you. We're just not feeling very happy on this human rights day. Okay, I know, but look, man, what I want to comment about, and I'm going to be simple and short and straight to the point. I, I, I'm still not sure whether the information from the Department of Education in Pretoria, your ministers, or what, what have you, what other information has casted down to the schools, principals, to say that corporal punishment has been banned? I don't think people understand that. I've n- I still have to know one black school which does not use it. Is this information, has it come down from the policymakers right down to the school? Because, look, we're talking about the principal of the school who killed a child. Now, if the principal of the school does not understand that corporal punishment is banned, who then? Who then in the, in the school will understand? So my, my, that, that's what my concern is. And, and, and this means of it is the stick that is going to make the, 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 the child pass the exam. It's nonsense. We've got people here, the doctors, the professors of this world, who have never tasted the stick in, 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 during, the, during their edu- primary education, secondary education. So why did they then go through and become masters and professors if then the question is the stick, the stick will do the work. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to teach the child. I'm going to come on, on Monday afternoon to school and I'm going to use the stick to make the child pass the exam. I don't, I don't believe in that nonsense. It's just a myth that is going to go on with us for, for, for years to come. Mm. But my difficulty, thank you so much, Tema, is still the fact that it is happening. It should not be happening. You are actually breaking the law. It's as simple as that. You're breaking the law. So if you're breaking the law, where are the repercussions for that? But also, let's not forget moving from the teachers to the hospital where some of the personnel refuse to help this child. Yeah. 
They refused. Yeah. But that's <laughs> that's another problem, which is that people again, it's our complicity, you know, as health workers, as teachers, that often does this. But also, Sakina, we're not demanding justice. We, you go back to the issue of life esedimeni, a hundred plus deaths. Has anybody been arrested? Has anybody been charged? Has anybody been put in prison for 100 deaths of psychiatric patients at this point? And is anybody out on the street saying, why is nobody in prison for this? Mm. And yet, to go back to where we started, today somebody will probably be arrested for stealing bread in a supermarket and then they're going to be chucked in holding cells overnight and probably end up spending a few weeks at Sun City or one of these prisons because they can't afford the bail for a minor offense. And that's life. And being violated in that space. Being violated in that space in a whole number of ways. Wow. Mrs. Cox in Neisner, good morning. Morning to you. Morning to you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I, am, I never followed the story right from the beginning. I am just absolutely, utterly horrified. Horrified. This, this little young boy. Now, well, how can it happen that somebody doesn't stop this man doing what he did? And, and, and this is what everybody is asking. Mm. Now, I need to have the account number. Is there any money I can put in for the mother? Um, we do have her account number, but I'll tell you what we'll do, Mrs. Cox. We yeah. are going to sit down as a team. We'll speak to our reporter and, yeah. and, and because uh, quite a number of listeners are asking, can we make a contribution towards yeah. the funeral? So, yeah. so, so let's sit down and see. We'll speak. We'll ask Spongile to speak to the mother and yeah. then come back and she'll let us know how best uh, and we then can will assist. You um, we'll take your number. We'll take your number. But yeah. um, it would be better if you could tune in again tomorrow. Uh, we'll give okay. an update. <laughs> the only thing is, the only thing is that you speak so quickly that I don't always get the number. I had to phone the HABC to get this number. <laughs> My apologies. I'll speak slowly, <laughs> no, especially okay. when I give out the numbers. I'll make sure that I am that's, cognizant that's of okay. that. That's okay. Anyway, I'm just absolutely and utterly horrified. I think it's just too shocking what happens. And, and he should really, justice should, should take prevail here, really. I mean, I just hope that he sits for the rest of his life, honestly. This is shocking. Absolutely. absolutely shocking. Thank you so much, Mrs. Cox. And I can't help but think, as uh, Mrs. Cox says there, justice should prevail. I can't help but think an Oscar Pistorius trial and how quickly that happens. And, you know, you have all the great legal minds because money can bring that to the fore. What's going to happen here? Is this going to be one of those mm. long, drawn-out mm. trials where our concentration wanes and, you know, we move in and out? What's going to happen? How important is this particular matter going to prove to be to the state? That also remains to be seen. Lucanio and Umtata, good morning. Yes, good morning, Sakina. Thank you for taking my call. You know, talking about human rights, indeed, this is one of the most horrifying things that you have just told me. I can imagine, you know, if Spamanda would be uh, going for even more, taking more years, where would he be working? Where would he be schooling? Because how difficult it is for persons with disabilities to school, to get schools, to get jobs, talking about human rights, talking about hunger, poverty. When you talk about disabled persons, it's even worse 
to imagine. I am one of the people who are quite brightness. I have been assigned to be a, to be a student at a university near my home for 12 years. Guess what? You go there, you try to find out what's going on, and tell that your application is not here only because you're a blind person, and you cannot, uh, you cannot, uh, uh, what's called, take food to be a student here. I'm a father to my children. I cannot feed you. How do you expect me to, to, to raise my children? You see, when you talk of human rights, then you must also as well think of people with disabilities that it is even worse than the poorest of all. And it's what I just wanted to say. Yeah. Thanks so much, uh, Lucanio in Mtata. Mark? Well, just to Lucanio, let me say one thing again. You know, this is a country where our supreme law says everybody's equal. People with disabilities are meant to be equal. People who are blind or partially sighted should have equal access to education, including access to higher education. Lucanio, we need with you to stand up for your rights. Do you know, Sakina, that in our schools, blind children, and there are many, many thousands of blind children in this country, still do not have textbooks, the proper curricular textbooks. They just don't have them in the schools for the blind and the partially sighted. They don't have them. It's 24 years or whatever since democracy. They don't have books. Let me just make these points because I know we have to wind up. You know, what I've heard today is depressing, but what I've also heard is the generosity of our people, the warmth of our people, the intelligence of our people who know what is going wrong and why things are going wrong. And I think that's what we must take away from here. We must take away that empathy and that intelligence and a conviction that we can fix these things. You know, you've been asking the question, and this is, for me, the take-home. What did we do? What did we do on Human Rights Day? Did we internalize it? Did we think about it? Did we think what we're going to do tomorrow? And as Chris, I think, said, what we've heard should be a call upon all of us to start to act. This is not a radio program. (laughs) This is a state of the nation. And it's a state of the nation which started with the story of Sipa Mandla. And the best way we can honor and remember and mourn Sipa Mandla is helping his family. But it's also by saying, never again will this happen. We will make sure there is justice. Children like this will stop dying. Other children whose names we don't know will stop dying. And we will turn the dream that we had when we hit 1994 of an equal society into a real society we can do it you and me and 50 Mm. million people if we're serious about it and that's it it's gonna have to come from us ultimately and um, it's not just about spamandla because spamandla is the story that we did manage to pick up on it's the story that we did manage to follow but there are millions of spamandlas out there and what are we doing did you know and look the other way Well, forgive yourself and make sure that you don't do it again. When these things happen, it's up to you and I to make sure that we are the ones forging a better society uh, so that, as Mark said earlier, when Human Rights Day rolls around next year, that we somehow feel better about ourselves and better about this nation and how far we've come. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them.